Welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Bubba, here we are. Uh, I'm quarantined again. Here you are back at the studio. But we do know now that I'm quarantined for a reason, unlike last time. Uh, I have tested positive uh, for COVID-19, but we have good news for our guest today. It's impossible for him to be exposed since I'm somewhere uh, in in the great state of Alabama, and he is nowhere near here. So, uh, so Rick, just so everybody knows, your your symptoms are extremely mild at this point, right? Yeah, I, it's like I have a cold. I haven't run any fever, anything like that. Just spoke to the doctor moments ago. He says that is a very, very positive sign, uh, and he went through it himself. You know, our doctor had to be hospitalized, uh, and he said that he was sick almost immediately uh, within the first couple of days. He said that the fact that you were exposed uh, now, if, when we're recording this over seven days ago, tomorrow will be day eight, he said, and you have mild symptoms. He said, I, I pray that I'm right, but my medical uh, expertise and what we've seen so far, you shouldn't get dreadfully sick with it. We hope not. So uh, so let's let's just hope and pray for that. And he's given me a few pointers on some supplements and vitamins to take, uh, and we'll work our way through it and get to the other side. Then I'll be as free as – well, more free than most Americans today, uh, as we'll talk to Sean Spicer about, because I'll have the antibodies, and uh, I can go back to leaving, uh, living a, a life of a little more freedom. So uh, not the way to get there, but uh, I don't have a choice now, so let's, let's, let's push on through. Uh, and speaking of our guest, uh, uh, Leading America uh, is uh, the book by Sean Spicer, President Trump's Commitment to People patriotism and capitalism he also uh, hosts the spicer uh, and company show on newsmax that's at 6 p.m eastern time uh, weeknights and uh, sean spicer joins us on rick and bubba university sean welcome back hey man good to see you guys again i hope you're taking zinc and vitamin c those are the two uh supplements i was told are, are helpful yeah you know also he said throw in a little d3 if you can but the other two you're right he said take the c the zinc and uh, d3 so i'm gonna start popping that back uh and uh and get to the other side of it hopefully all righty oh good sean we're we're glad to have you on the podcast here and uh you know you've got such a unique perspective of what's going on in washington and in the white house with our president uh the the press secretary is probably I have to think one of the toughest jobs you can ever have. I think at this point in time in our country, it's probably even harder. Uh, Tell us a little bit to start with about what, how that was working in the white house every day. Um, I I think under any president, it's enormously intense. Um, This president, it was, it was magnified to a level that I couldn't even fathom when I started the job. Um, it's very demanding. You're, I, I'd get up at five. I used to get in the office between five thirty, five forty-five. There's this little kind of executive gym that they have. Um, and when I say it, it's, it's like a glorified closet um, <laughs> that has a couple of machines in it. And I would just, I would turn the TV on and just surf cable and get an idea of what was going on in the morning and then be in my office about seven fifteen in the morning. And, and, you know, you just, you basically are studying for a test every single day where you're trying to cram as much information in from as much people, as many people as you can. And, um, and you just don't know when, you know, something's going to get thrown at your head, meaning that it could be an issue, a question, a personnel thing, a policy thing, a world event. Um, so you're living on eggshells pretty much all the time. Um, that being said, it's a pretty, you know, for me, it was a pretty, um, honorific thing to be able to get to do. I loved it. Um, I, I was honored to do it. It just, but it is a level of intensity that I don't think is really possible to explain to folks. 
You know, it, does it seem uh, because there was something about, and you, you, you talk about this in the book, but there, there's something about the reaction to this president uh, that is also unlike anything we've seen. You know, people always talk, well, it's politics as usual. Yes and no. Uh, there, we've surely, you know, we go back to things like, uh, you know, we, we one time had two candidates, you know, get in a, a duel and shoot at each other. But <laughs> that's that's been a long time ago. But we're but getting pretty far, close, Rick. We're getting pretty close, I think. People but are studying you, Aaron Burr now. And uh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. But but do you feel like that there was something it's almost like Trump was um, he was anti-establishment. So there were people in his own party that cannot stand him, could not stand him. and didn't like him coming to the party. Obviously the opposing party, uh, can, you know, considered him to be the meanest, most awful human being the world has ever known. And we know how wonderful and nice the far left can be. They're very kind people. Yes. Uh, as you found out how wonderful and kind they were to you talking about how mean you and Trump were, uh, do they ever hear themselves by the way? I wonder, uh, but, um, uh, what, what do you think it was? Was it, was it simply because yes, he's a New Yorker. Yes. He's got attitude. There's a personality thing. So I know that's part of it, but you think the other part was that he, he came in to be anti-establishment. Hey, I'm a, I'm not a politician and I'm here, uh, to do what people in America have been wanting done for a very long time. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that he, it's not that he wanted to be, he just was right. So it's one thing to say, I want to be anti-establishment or I'm going to, but he, he just, he didn't know better to be blunt. I mean, um, <clears throat> he's not a politician. He didn't have this cadre of people that had been advising him and lobbying him and advising him and consulting and all that. You know, he ran once and he had a bunch of people from various backgrounds that kind of not many actually supported him in the, in the truest sense. I mean, a lot of people obviously voted for him in 2016, but you know, when you run for president, I'd been through um, two cycles at the RNC and I've been involved in politics for almost 30 years that people, once you become the Republican nominee kind of flock to you, with Trump, um, the grassroots flocked to him, the voters flocked to him, but the establishment, the consultants were like, there's no way this guy's going to win. He's not part of it. I, I liken it like this, Rick. There are guardrails and they look like this, right? And it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, as long as you stay in the guardrails and play by the rules, it kind of goes, you know, it's okay. Like on the Republican side, sure, they're not going to treat you the same, but, you know, within the guardrails, Trump blew the guardrails away. And basically it was like, I don't care what your traditions are. I don't care what your formalities are. I don't care how it used to be. I don't care the format, you know, how the process that that's supposed to happen. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it to achieve results. And I, I just don't care. And I think what happened is the press in particular were used to being sucked up to, right? It was how great they were. And I'd love to do an interview with you. And could you get me on your show? And I'd love to sit down with you and your anchor. Trump was like, I don't really care about you. And I think that it hurt the, their, their egos. And this is the same thing with a lot of the never Trumpers. They all have these precious little egos where they want to be thought of as being on the inside and having being consulted and, and, and advised on what the particular policy is or the way to go is and being able to ask, you know, by all these other folks about, you know, how inside baseball they are with respect to their connections to the White House or their nearness to the White House. I don't think that, that, that and when when, shun, when Trump shunned them, and that was both the, the political class and the press class, they couldn't stand it. They were like, well, what about our cocktail parties? What, who's going to attend? What about these dinners where we pay homage to how great we are? Who's going to sit there and, and acknowledge our greatness and how awesome we are? And, um, and I love the fact that he just basically said, screw you. 
You know, Sean, he, he talked a lot about draining the swamp and, and the deep state, and I know there's a lot of debate about the deep state, but I don't think you have to go that deep to find the deep state. Uh, you can look around the Congress at people who've been there 30 and 40 years. It's obvious that they like their job, no matter what their politics are, and that they want to stay there. And and he was a counterculture to that, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think, look, the one caveat that I'll, I'll – I'll throw in there is that I, I know enough people and I kind of throw myself into that. I moved here in 1993, 94, right after Republicans took Congress. And I think I've had that spirit as well. I mean, there are people here who want to buck the establishment and the class. And I don't think it's like, oh, how, where have you lived and how long or how long you've been in office? There's some congressmen that I know that have been in you know several terms that still have that fighting spirit and are willing to take no for an answer and are willing to kick down doors. Uh, but you're right. I think the majority of them are, you know, feel threatened by somebody who's going to undo the process by which that they've had all of these things before. And am I going to get invited to the right parties? And, you know, it, it's funny, I, I was telling someone, and this is not the same because it's well before Trump, but back in the year 2000, I worked for the National Republican Congressional Committee, and there was this big event that was happening for members of the, that had paid their dues, right? So if you are a House member, a Republican member of Congress, you pay dues to the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, that helps them go recruit additional candidates, fund you know ads to help in, endangered Republicans right. win, et cetera, et cetera. And there was this one big event that was going on, and and this one member came to me and said, "Hey, I, I'd I'd love to get you know some tickets for me and my family to go to this event." And I said, "Well, you haven't paid your dues, and, and you haven't paid them in a while. Like mm-hmm. you you haven't cared, and now you only want to go to the party." And he was like, well, yeah, my kids want to go. And I was like, I I get it, but that's not how it works. You don't get to kick sand in everyone's face and then just show up. And I think for a lot of these guys, they didn't like the fact that Trump was turning the turnip cart over and upsetting this idea of, but, you know, what's this going to mean for the picnic? And do I still get to go? And can I bring my family? Because, gosh, I don't want to have to play the game, but I want all the benefits. And that's the thing is that most of these guys want – um, you know, I, I was listening to someone on CNN the other day talking about we're finally getting back to normal. We get to have our weekends back. We don't have to worry about news coming out at, at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, if you're a reporter, that's not your you don't you don't get to choose nine to five is when news happens. And by, well, the, you know, the president will go off to dinner when that's over. It's it's amazing the culture that exists among a lot of these folks. We're talking with Sean Spicer and that conversation will continue on Rick and Bub University, the podcast. You know, Sean, you, you, I'm, I'm so glad you cleared something up, and, and Bubba can confirm this. I can't tell you the number of times throughout the years of doing this show, and, and we don't do all politics, but it's some of what we do. We were kind of taken back. You know, we're, we're from, you know, rural America. Uh, and in rural America, if you, you know, run me into the ground and you go out and basically tell everybody that I'm the worst thing that has ever been spawned, we just don't pick it back up and have lunch together. And, no. and, and, and watching politicians, uh, Bubba and I would say it all the time. I'm like, how do they, the, 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 how do they do that to each other? And then you see them hanging out at a cocktail party, like they're big buddies. And, and, and it, for our culture, that is not normal. And I don't think it's normal for any hardworking American. And I think you're right. Trump came in and said, well, that's not the way anybody else lives. Look, here's the thing that's funny for me. There's two things that I think you're, what you just said sparked in my mind. Number one, you know, when I was a kid, my dad sold boats for a living. Um, some years we had good years and a lot of years it wasn't that great. 
but he always, one of the things that when I would meet people that had interacted with him, they always said, you know, your dad, when he gives us his word, that's it. Like the deal's a deal. You never, and, and I grew up that way. And if I shake your hand and tell you, all right, I'll be there tomorrow at 10. I mean, yes, yeah, stuff happens, right guys. I get it. We, there, there's, sure. But there's a difference between sure. your point, like saying, Hey, I'm going to do uh, you know, the Bubba and Rick's podcast today, but I got a better offer. So I'm going to do, you know, so and Chris Cuomo's podcast. Cause it's, it's like, if you give someone your word, you give them your word. And that's the problem that happens too much in, in this town in particular. Um, the second thing that was interesting, I got this brought up the other day with someone asking me about some of the people in the Trump administration who have gone on to to write stuff. And I said, they go, you know, it's interesting. You've never told, you know, I go, well, first of all, you know, been disloyal. And I said, it's not about like being disloyal to Trump. It's about me as a person. I, I've worked for a 10 or 11 different members of Congress. I, I've never said anything bad about any of them. Um, and part of it is, is because of who I think I want to be as a person, which is if you call me tomorrow and say, hey, you know, Sean, you know, I was telling you about my coronavirus diagnosis. I got some questions to ask you. If I go tell everyone what we talked about, why would you ever trust me again on any matter? And so I think it's a question not of just professionalism and business, but it's in, in personal matters as well. And I, I look at some of these folks and I go, why would I ever trust somebody? who was disloyal and, and, and I'm not saying like, there's, you know, it, it depends if you're committing some kind of crime or something, it's one thing to say, right, or right. you've got a problem. I'm going to reach out and get you some help. Sure. Uh, but, but to say, Oh, Hey, you know, Sean told us this thing in confidence. And then we went out and told him, I go, well, I'm never going to help them again. I'm not going on their show or you're not going to have you back. It's just, it's a way you live your life. And it's a, it's an ethos and a code, not about being loyal to somebody else but being a good person and somebody that, that's good on your word. And, and for too many of these folks, I was, when I was in the press office, I'd sit at the podium sometimes and I would say something and some reporter would just go, you know, bananas on me. And then they'd come <laughs> in afterwards to my office and they'd say, Hey man, sorry about that. You know, I had to do that for my boss. And I was like, no, you didn't. I mean, right. yeah, I don't mind that you did it. It's a free country. Get me, don't get me wrong, but you didn't, you chose to do that. Let's just be clear. And so don't come back in and then be my buddy 20 minutes later and act like you just didn't try to make a mockery of something up on the podium. So we have a choice to make in life every day with how we act and what we do. And we can make mistakes and we can ask for forgiveness and all that stuff. But too often, a lot of these folks will do whatever they have to say at the time to get ahead. And then, you know, it's, it's move on to the next thing. Yeah, sure. and, and, go ahead. Tomorrow. Well, I, I wanted to ask him, Rick, go ahead. Do we need to do a, a commercial here? No, no, we, we, we still got another about another four minutes or so before I have to do that, so go ahead. Okay. Sean, uh, double-edged sword with President Trump, and, and let me ask you, and again, uh, just because you may advise the president to do something one way or another does not make you anti-Trump. Let me be clear about that, okay, because we, we have some people that also confuse that. He had a style like we have never seen before. And I think that made him very popular with a lot of people. Yeah. But do you think it was a double-edged sword? Do you? And, and again, we don't know how the election is eventually going to play out. There's a lot of challenges out there. It, it's not a done deal yet. But do you think that same brass style also hurt him with some people? Um, yeah. Because obviously the policies were important because Republicans picked up huge gains in the House. Um, but yet he didn't, it, it was like reverse coattails. How, cause you're a political analyst too. How do you read all of that? If those numbers are true and if they hold up. So it's an interesting question 
right? Because I joke with someone all the time. They go, I love Trump if he just didn't tweet, right? I go, okay, well, I'd love to be, you know, 5'11 or six feet. I'm 5'6". It's like, <laughs> there's things that we would love, right. like, a, you know, annoying habits that somebody has or whatever. But voting is like a continuum, right? So there's all these people that say, I love Trump's brashness, the way he tweets, da, 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 and that's why I'm with him. And then it goes all the way to here. And then there's people over here who say, well, gosh, if you just didn't tweet, then I'd be here. And they go, oh, okay. Well, then these people move over and say, I can't believe he's not as authentic anymore. So you got to figure out where that middle ground is, right? But I do think that there is, there for him, there is a bit of a middle ground. People love his, uh, his openness and his policies. But sometimes I think the personal pettiness, um, he can rise above it, right? And, and I think that he is he has got a lot of, accomplishments. He has done a lot of great stuff with the judiciary, with tax cuts, with regulatory uh, efforts, with veterans and military. There's a lot in foreign policy that he's done. And he's exceeded everyone's expectations by far. But I think there are times when sure that some of the personal attacks um, drive away certain people that love his policies, but just can't condone that. And I, 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 I understand that from a Christian perspective, that, you know, the way I was raised is that, you know, um, you forgive people, you rise above things. Um, you know, you know, it goes back to a lot of like what our moms hopefully taught us, which is, you know, two wrongs don't make a right just because he jumped off the bridge doesn't mean you do. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think there's days where I, 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 I do like the fact that he fights back. I think right. that, you know, you, you realize real quick with a bully um, when they, if you stand up to him. And so when he stands up to these people and says, oh yeah, da, 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 I'm going to, you know, they go, okay, I'm not going to do it again. And I love the way he stands up to some of these people who think that they're paper tigers. And, um, but there are times when it's like, okay, you made your point, you know, you stood up to them, you put them in their place, move on, uh, the, you know? So I, I do think that there's a bit of a middle ground. Well, I, I want to unpack that a little more too, but because uh, of, of some of the points you made, especially talking about being, you know, people of faith, we're, we're Christians and, and followers of Christ, and I heard some of the things that were being discussed within, you know, the the, the Christian community with, uh, about some of the ways that he handled himself. So we will come back uh, with Sean Spicer and kind of unpack what we're what we're talking about about this personality thing versus bigger issues when Rick and Bubba University the podcast continues. So, Bubba, I do want to talk about ExpressVPN. Did you know earlier this year more than 100 Twitter users got their accounts hacked into? Mm. Passwords, email addresses, phone numbers. You know, hackers never take a holiday, do they? <laughs> no, they, they really don't. And, and you wouldn't believe some of the people that were affected, uh, we're what we're talking about today, Joe Biden, uh, your buddy, Elon Musk. Uh, even Kanye West all had this happen to them. Uh, and, and now it's not just Twitter. It could be Facebook, eBay, uh, Uber, uh, Adobe, Yahoo. Uh, they've all leaked data such as passwords, credit card information, driver's license numbers, uh, belonging to millions of users. Look, if they can hack Joe Biden, uh, they can hack us. Uh, so uh, according to the, the recent report, hackers can make up to $1,000 uh, from selling our personal information on the dark web. So there is motivation there. Uh, but that's why you need what, what we love, and that's ExpressVPN. Uh, it's an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel so that no matter what device you use, you can have peace of mind every time you use the Internet. Uh, the app connects with just one click and lightning fast, and it's best part of it. ExpressVPN works on up to five devices at the same time so your whole family can stay protected. Here's what you need to do. Uh, go to exp 
P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N, Express, that's what I'm saying, VPN.com slash Bubba. We can get you um, you know, armed with uh, with ExpressVPN for free, getting an extra three months that is on us just for using uh, our URL. That's expressvpn.com slash Rick Bubba, expressvpn.com slash Rick Bubba to learn more. Continuing with uh, with Sean Spicer today uh, on the Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, we got about another 10 minutes with you, Sean, then I know you've got to go. So we were discussing, like you said, the, the, some of the very things that, that everybody loved about Trump would sometimes be the very same thing that they then would hold against him. Right. And, and, and one of those, and, and we saw it happening inside the Christian community a little bit right before the vote, uh, and that is this this concept. And I'm not saying that I agreed with the way Donald Trump handled everything as a Christian because I didn't. Okay, but but when when we're talking about the votes, and I would say the same thing even out of the spiritual realm over to the uh, you know the, the the national realm, it's almost like inside the Christian community, and, I, and then even in the secular community uh, of just Americans, it's almost like being mean was the great unforgivable. I mean, you you could you could uh, you know uh, go out and and do partial birth abortion legislation, even let babies die that were birthed, uh, you know, uh, on a, an abortion attempt. You can parade any version of gender and marriage, you know, in front of God. Just don't be mean. And 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 I was like, this is just kind of getting bizarre. And then on the secular side of nationalism. It's almost like we were willing to completely lose the constitutional republic as long as Donald Trump wouldn't be mean. We just don't want meanness anymore. We'll lose the republic. Uh, we'll compromise our faith just as long as you won't be mean. Why was that such a big deal? Well, it goes back to the people who filter the information, meaning the media, right? Is that to them, it's all about, it's not about accomplishment and policy. I mean, as I've said, folks, as the lead up to the election, um, you know, Rick, I, I, I was like, look, when was a tweet ever made your life better or worse? Like, it could be the nicest tweet in the world. It's not going to make your life better. The The worst tweet in the world isn't going to hurt you. But policies do matter. They change your life. They make it better or worse. They help your communities, your state, your company. Um, so, but, but we have too often um, rewarded the happy talk. We said, look, what a great speech. Oh, he's such a great order. Did you see that tweet that he was? I mean, those those are great, but they don't. It's it's like an advertisement, right? Like buy our product. It's great. That doesn't make it good. It just means that you said it was good. Um, what what matters is when you buy something and it works well and it helps you or changes your life, whatever. Um, I, I think that's to me, you know, and, and the biggest thing is the people who filter it get to decide how bad it is. Second, um, I'm, I'm with you. Like, look, I, I think that the thing that annoys me, and I cover this almost daily on my show on Newsmax, which is the hypocrisy. I don't, I, first of all, there is no candidate, and I think Bubba mentioned this earlier, that I agree with 100%. I'm a huge supporter of Donald Trump. I think that uh, I love the policies. I think they move the country better, blah, 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 full stop. But there are days when I think some of the tweets and the comments I think that he makes, I, I don't agree with, are not helpful. But that doesn't mean I don't support him and I don't right. want him to succeed. Right. But I think there are days when I bet you if I listen to your show every day where I'd say, gosh, you know, that segment, guys, I – I don't like what that happened. There's days when my wife probably doesn't, well, I know she doesn't agree with everything I say or do, but that doesn't mean we don't like somebody. It just means that 
there are things that I, I mean, I say it about myself. There's things that I say or do, and I'm like, gosh, I wish I had done that differently. And um, so we've got to stop being purists. And if you don't agree with someone 100%, you don't support them and you don't like them. There are days when I think, frankly, I'm helping Donald Trump by saying, hey, this comment wasn't helpful. It's not because I don't like him. It's not because I don't want him to succeed. It's because I do want him to succeed. And I do want to say, hey, let's. I want to tell you this because I want you to do better. I want more people to vote for you. Um, but I think the last thing I'll say, Rick, is on the religious piece, I agree with you 100%. It blows my mind that somehow um, this, that we can have Catholic leaders um, talk about advancing um, pro-abortion legislation and efforts and funding, and no one cares. And then he says a mean thing, and it's like, oh, that's just so unchristian. And it's like, really? Because it seems to me that, you know, all that we're taught is, is to protect and promote life. And what this president has done policy-wise definitely does that. And yet we worry about a tweet that insults somebody. Does that make it right? No. Does that mean that you should accept all of it? No. But my point is, is that among the continuum of what's bad, I don't put that high on the list. Right. And the last thing I'll just say is that it amazes me that like when Harry, Harry Reid made all sorts of comments about George Bush, Speaker Pelosi has railed against this president calling him illegitimate. I mean, you name it the number of things that Democrats have said, and yet they get a free pass every day of the week and twice on Sunday, and no one cares. But when Donald Trump says something, that's horrible. When someone on the left says something that's offensive, it's, you know, well, look, they didn't mean it. That's the thing is that we're, we're going to tell you why we're going to excuse what they said because it was missing context. But anything that Trump says has got to be the worst thing in the world. Sean, l let me ask you, let me look forward now just a little bit. Uh, the election, was it fair? Was it semi-fair? Was it a total farce? What do you believe? Well, um, I believe that, that there are instances of voter fraud. I think there's irregularities. I think what they did with mail-in ballots was a travesty. I, I cannot believe that Republicans sat by and watched Democrat governors in particular allow people to do this. Um, you had Anthony Fauci, and again, the media was complicit in this because Fauci himself, who apparently everything that Fauci says must be adhered to right. by everyone at all times, <laughs> except when he tells you something that Donald Trump agrees with, like kids should go back to school right. or that it's safe to vote in person. Well, then we're going to ignore Fauci and not tell you what he said because that doesn't go along. The media knew that mail-in ballots hugely benefited Joe Biden. They were complicit in allowing this to occur. There were studies that showed it was susceptible to fraud. Common sense shows that it's susceptible to fraud. I don't know that it happened or not because that's not my job, right? So I'm not trying to duck the question, but I don't go out there and look for this stuff. Like I don't go out and, you know, hunt wild boar. I, someone else does it, it gets packaged and sent. So I'll take a look at it if you send it to me. But my point is, I don't think it passes the common sense test. Um, and I think there were a lot of things that were hokey about this election. I thought there was a lot of irregularities. I, I think that this idea of people randomly stop counting in Philadelphia at nine o'clock and no one explaining why, maybe it's legitimate. I don't know, but someone should have explained it to us and no one wants to ask the question. I think the idea that whatever it was, 142,000 votes showed up at 3.52 a.m. in Wisconsin randomly for Joe Biden, which was not even close to any other amount that came in, seems awful fishy and no one's explained it. So there are a lot of these things that I think do look like a problem. Yeah, and you know, I, I know we've only got about five more minutes with you. Can I can I ask you on that note? 
because there were times that we all were looking at Trump and, and since your, your book does deal with your time with him and, and you've talked about the things that were good, was he coachable? Did, did he ever listen when you were saying, oh, hey, yeah. okay. All the time. Like what people mistake about Trump is he'll listen to you, but he may not agree with you. Or sometimes right. he's listen to two people and he chooses one over the other. Well, he listened to both. He just chose one. Um, but there were plenty of times. I mean, I, I had a conversation with him in the last 24 hours and he asked me a question and then I said, here's what I think. And he said, okay, I think you're right. Um, that doesn't mean that so, but there is this assumption that because he doesn't go along with the prevailing narrative of the left-wing media, that somehow he doesn't listen to people. He just, he may disagree with you. Sean, let me, let me ask you to look into your crystal ball here. And I know our time together is about up. Could Ivanka Trump be a presidential candidate and could she win? Well, of course she could be a presidential candidate. Um, I mean, I, I actually personally think that Don Jr. is, uh, you know, would be a rock star of a candidate. He's very in line with the base. Um, he loves the political going out there and, and the base loves him. Um, I, I mean, so I, the answer is, I don't know, because I think if you had asked someone like on the Democratic side to predict whether Barack Obama as a state senator, whatever it was, you know, six years before he was elected president would be a good presidential candidate, they probably would have told you he just ran for Congress against Bobby Rush and got his clock clean. So no. Um, and then if you had asked people, you know, whatever it was six years ago, if Donald Trump would be a great candidate considering the field that he was going up to. And, and I'm just being objective. This isn't like you're going up against people who raise a ton of money, who've been in politics, who right. have digital and data plans. And um, they probably would have told you objectively, no. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, the problem with crystal balls right now is that it's tough to think four years out. What is, what is, what are people going to be yearning? But obviously Ivanka's got name ID. Um, she's got the Trump brand and name associated with her. But if I had to pick a Trump right now, I'd pick Don Jr. So you think that that that's a potential candidate uh, in, in the future, possibly if, if this is going to continue? Well, I mean, sure. I haven't asked Don specifically, but I, okay. say that, I mean, he is he is obviously unbelievably uh, well liked on the campaign trails. The, the base loves the guy. He resonates with them. He's authentic, right? He goes hunting and fishing and yeah. like, it's not BS. He's got the same kind of stuff that his dad has. I mean, in the sense that when Don talks about the principles that he believes in, they're, 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 they're his, they, you know, they're not some talking point that he right. got um, from a, you know, a poll tested PowerPoint presentation. It's legit. That's who he is. And, you know, he spends his weekends going and doing the things that he talks about, which, um, you know, uh, I think is what, Trump brought to the to campaign trail, which is a sense of a sense of authenticity and openness that people were yearning for. Um, so, you know, I, I just I, I think I don't know what Don's plans are. He's obviously done very well with the books. He's been very active in trying to get people to vote in Georgia, um, but he would do very well and he would resonate huge. Well, thanks for being with us, Sean. I appreciate that. Uh, it, the book, of course, is called Leading America, President Trump's Commitment to People, Patriotism, and Capitalism. And he also uh, is hosting now, congratulations, Spicer and Company on Newsmax. You're doing a great Newsmax. job with it. Yeah, you're doing a great job with that. And you can and to check your local, local listings, but I'm showing it at 6 o'clock uh, Eastern time. So, Sean, thanks for taking time to be with us. We appreciate that. And uh, all of you will be right back to rack, wrap up this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So welcome back to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Sean Spicer with us. Bubba, were you surprised uh, when, when we posed the question about the election um, 
were you surprised or not surprised? Spicer, in my opinion, correct me if I read it wrong, he's not putting a whole lot of um, hope that anything's going to change. Yeah, that that's what I read into it too. And I, I think he's like a lot of us. He uh, probably wasn't happy with the results, but he realizes it's a, it's a very high hill to climb. Um, and as we've said many times, if you were writing a, a spy thriller, it's much, much easier to steal an election than prove that it was stolen. So uh, I don't know what will become of that. It's going to be, uh, a, a, you know, it's going to be an uphill challenge, no doubt about it. I think um, it, it's interesting, uh, it, it, his candor, what he was talking about. And we've talked about it a lot. You know, Trump was a bulldozer, and, and we felt like we had a lot that needed to be cleared off. Um, but, you know, he, he was talking about in the future Don Jr., I think Don is a lot like his dad. We've, you know, we've had Don on, had a great rapport with him. Uh, he, he may be, he may be in that same bulldozer mode where I don't know if Ivanka might be, maybe the, you know, the the hard Trump policy wise, but maybe, maybe a little softer on the PR side. And that that's why I asked him that question. But it, clearly, he seemed to think Don Jr. would be uh, the next Trump that might look for office if. If they did run, do, do you think he may have been suggesting that that Don Jr. maybe is is a little more what you want than you think he is? That he is a little more refined, even though he's not he's gonna still you know have the same look at America. Which, by the way, we're we're just can we're forgetting what Spicer writes in his book. The Trump administration's policies worked. I mean, it's almost like that just doesn't even matter. I mean, it, 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 I'm sorry he was mean and rude, but it worked. Well, that's the thing. You you know, and I don't know how to say this. I want it to, to sound right. We, we've had it so good for so long in this country. It's very possible that while our heart is in the right place, we've lost our edge and our courage to do what we needed to do to get it to begin with and keep it going. And this is where I'm highly offended if you're mean or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I can compare the situation, I think, to George W. Bush because that's the last Republican president we could compare him to. I like George W. Bush. I thought he did a good job. Obviously, his first term went better than his second term, and especially the last two years where uh, the demos had just talked down the economy, talked down the economy. We had this housing bubble uh, that came right, you know, from uh, Barney Franks and their uh, concept that we could package bad loans with good loans and the bad loans would be okay. Well, it turned out it didn't work that way. It turned out that you could take a bunch of good loans and put a bad housing loan in it and it would it would bring the whole bunch down. It didn't work the other way. So, and I felt like, that George W. Bush, as much as I liked him and respect him and still do, um, I felt like he let his opponents dictate terms. He let his opponents describe him. He let his opponents paint him in the light that they wanted to paint him instead of him standing up and doing that for himself, which I think was a critical mistake on his part. Again, I can disagree, still like him, still support him. You know what you're saying, Bubba, and I think you're 100% right. If there were to be a situation, God forbid, that that we went back to the revolution like right now, okay, we would be more likely to dress in red jackets and fight standing in a line 
than to hide behind stuff and just want to win. Uh, we now have become the, we're spoiled, we're soft, uh, we're, we're more concerned about our airs and how we come across and, and kindness and, and, and all it, that I will lose the Republic over that. And, uh, and it sounds eerily familiar. And I know we've talked about all these books that have the rise and falls of, yeah. of superpowers and, and, and various it's scary. Uh, if you really look at it historically, it's really kind of scary. Yeah. It, it's like now we have become the very thing, uh, that we defeated to gain, our independence and our freedom, we have now become uh, the very um, Great Britain that uh, we were all ready to, our, our founders, our ancestors were all ready to leave. Well, it, uh, you know, we, we've always said that freedom is never paid for. You can't pay it off and get a receipt stamp paid. It's, um, you know, it's, a, it's something you have to, to rent or something you have to lease. It, it's never fully paid for. And each generation has has been required to pay for it one way or another, and and ours will too. It may be through perseverance, uh, it may be through uh, fighting the the fight to educate the younger ones coming up. But it's clear that that we're seeing some uh, you know monumental shifts in our society, and I don't uh, by any stretch think that that a lot of it is in a good direction with the rise of socialism, which. Again, you know, all I would say to defeat the socialism argument is show me somewhere in the world where it worked, that it's better than what we've got, that that it provided a society, a standard of living that we have, and it also provided the environment where you could have these great companies come out of literally garages that, that paid and supported families by the thousands uh, to produce products and goods and the internet and ju- just our inventions. Look at our innovations, you know, splitting the atom, putting a man on the moon, flight in general. We have to go back to that. Um, and I think even this, um, I think when all is said and done, if this uh, vaccination works, I think that that will probably go into the, the list of great accomplishments because of the time frame that it was developed and brought to market. So I hope that's the case. I hope we get to add that to the list of great American uh, contributions to society. Well, you just wonder going forward because what what is going to happen going forward? Because it seems like now, and and Spicer said this in the interview, that as long as I can eloquently make you feel good about what I'm saying, you you'll buy anything from me. And 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 as long as I, even if I've got a great product, if I don't present it in a way that makes you comfortable, you don't want it, even if it works. And I fear. Uh, with with this country, and when I say fear, more I mean that concern. I don't mean any kind of anxious. Right, I'm right. coming apart because we're not called to that spirit, and and there's no use to be there. But I am concerned that we as Americans, and of course the American church would be included in this. We we have gotten to a point that the thing that we'll avoid at all costs, no matter what we lose, is discomfort. We do not want to be made to be uncomfortable. We don't want you to be say things that make us uncomfortable. We we want to avoid. Uh, we don't hope we don't get sick. Hope we don't do this. It will avoid any discomfort. But you and I both know that's not realistic, because here's what's going to happen: if one of the things you do to try to dodge moment uh, a moment of discomfort, you're going to end up with something worse. Trust me, if you lose the republic because you didn't want somebody to talk mean 
what you're going to get is going to put you through a much bigger hell than that ever did. (laughs) You know, once you compromise your faith and once you compromise your church for even a moment that somebody won't be mean to you or point to you and scream at you, what you're going to end up with is going to far exceed the moment of discomfort that you were trying to avoid. Yeah, and, you know, I equate that to when you're growing up, it's okay if you skin your knee every now and then. You're going to be all right. You learn a lot of lessons from that. You do, and and we're, we're turning into a country and a church that's not willing to skin our knee, but we still somehow want somebody to get us to the top of the hill. <laughs> that's right. You, it, it, you know, you're going to pay your dues if you get there, and, and every generation has to do it. We're just not, we're just, I don't, I don't want to use the word tough. It's, it's more than that. It's, I, you said it, uh, I don't think we understand what it took for us to experience the standard of living and the religious freedoms that we have. And we think the little things we're doing are no big deal because we can't imagine these things will ever not be there. But, you know, it, we keep thinking we can do anything and nothing bad ever happens. Well, there's one thing for sure. We're getting a civics lesson now as this uh, election is contested uh, in some states and we move forward toward the electoral college vote and uh, an eventual presentation of that to the Congress and a swearing in of the next president. It's certainly educational, I'll have to say that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll continue to be here to try to get the interviews that uh, that all of you are out there uh, desiring. I, I thank Sean Spicer for today. Bubba, yeah. thank you. Thank you, uh, for For today, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. We thank all of you for yep. being with us, and we hope that you'll join us on the next edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Yeah.